from the Badlands of Texas. You're listening or you're watching Midnight Radio 360 Degrees all the way around the earth from Southern Australia all the way to Northern Ireland into the buds in your ears. I'm your host, Gerald Schmimmons. And we have one hell of a show for you today. This is an epic one. Matter of fact, let me explain to you where we're at, what we're doing today. For those of you that are on the radio that are just listening to me live, I've already talked to you. But for you, because this show is pre-recorded, or actually not pre-recorded, it's recorded live in front of a YouTube audience. You are that audience. This show is a conversation with you. And if all nine of you watching right now haven't subscribed, I'd appreciate it if you did. Go ahead and subscribe. Hit that bell because this show is a conversation with you. To prove that, I've turned the damn phone lines on. I'm not afraid. 325-261-0892 is the number. After this show, there's going to be a three and a half hour long midnight radio after show on our radio station. I'm going to have I'm going to have RoboMob put a link to our radio station on there. You can go to our uh, community page. There's a link to it. Click on it. I'll put a link to the radio station here in a minute after I start playing some of these videos. I'm telling you three and a half hours and after the three and a half hours of the of me. Three and a half more hours of me. You're going to have DJ Julianne with Third Rock Radio. I don't know about you, but I looked at the Brian Kohlberger court proceeding today. And uh, I'll tell you what, it just makes me sick. The way our justice system works. And these are some frustrations I have. I'm going to air these as we look at the live footage. And um, you tell me how you think. You can call in at any time, 325-261-0892. Call in, give me your thought, and then jump off and get your answer there. So we can make sure we have a plenty of room for everybody. Again, the show will be ending right at 530. And we'll be going into the after show, the live after show party. So let me continue. Uh, let's start, actually. I'm going to start with this one video first. This is this is before the before he was in um, the court. This is something that happened when he was 19 years old. This is this is what everybody's been talking about. And uh, yeah, I don't. We don't need him reading it to you. I'll read it to you. So, apparently, nine years before he was accused of killing four college students in Idaho, Brian Kohlberger was arrested in his native Pennsylvania charged with a misdemeanor theft for allegedly stealing his sister's iPhone. All right, now, I don't know how ABC got this. If you have any ideas, let me know. But it was... Koberger's father, Michael, who reported the incident to police, according to the court records. Now, the court records have actually been expunged. But according to the records, Michael Koberger told law enforcement Brian had warned him not to do anything stupid after learning his son had taken the phone, that his son had struggled with drug addiction, now, some of the interesting things about this is um, this was expunged. Nobody knew about it until now. So I don't know where ABC got this information. It appears to me there's a leak. But of course there is, right? Brian was 19 years old when he was arrested for the alleged theft in 2014. He served no time in jail, but according to officials, there is now no public record of that arrest or the outcome of the case. Yet somehow ABC got it. Monroe County, Pennsylvania offers first-time offenders the opportunity to enter into a pretrial program called Accelerated Rehabilitative Disposition, which allows for charges to be dropped and the record to be expunged once the accused successfully completes probation. And it, I've heard it said, I've read it said that this is the point when Brian started getting help for his drug addiction. An attorney representing the Kohlberger family declined to comment on the record describing the early arrest. 
And of course, the district attorney had no comment. Court filing Monday that they intend to seek the death penalty. Tuesday, Kohlberger and his lawyers went into the courtroom. We're about to watch that. And according to this article, it remains to be seen whether the alleged incident in 2014 and his previous alleged history with substance abuse will have any bearing or offer any clues in relation to what happened in the early morning hours of November 13th, 2022. A source briefed on the case told ABC News, the alleged 2014 incident is now a subject of inquiry for prosecution as they prepare for an impending capital trial that could start as early as October. They said they want to get all the puzzle pieces figured out. I think this is a person that leaked the information, ABC. Even as you keep finding new pieces, ABC News law enforcement contributor Richard Frankel, a retired senior FBI official and former prosecutor with NYC. You're working to figure out how it all fits together, Frankel said. One that's a big jump to go from an alleged nonviolent theft of a family member's item to being charged with multiple homicides to eight years in a long time for nothing to happen. Eight years is a long time for nothing to happen. And he said that he'd want to know as a prosecutor what happened in those eight years. Was there anything else that sponge? Is there anything else we don't know about? Is there anything else that Kohlberger's parents can say? Did they mention that to did they mention that to the authorities about the the theft of the phone and that he was arrested for that? I doubt he did. Let me go to the chat room now. Hey chat room, how you guys doing? Let me put my banner up there. What's going on? So you know you guys know. I do want to say that we did have a winner. Connie won the hat. Connie won the hat. Hello, everybody. Good evening, everyone. Canada is still on fire. I'd like to thank our executive producers for bringing this show on the air. And our executive producer is Lady Lisa. If you're interested in becoming a producer of this show, whether it's a super sticker or a, thank, a super thanks in YouTube, anything $20 or more makes you an executive producer, anything under 20 makes you a producer but also you can hit up our cash app cash app dollar sign midnight radio 101 every dollar that comes into this youtube channel it goes directly for the licensing of our radio station that's how we don't have commercials on it and that's going to be very useful to you because after this show we are having a three and a half hour after show live after show maybe i'm gonna get that link for you with no commercials bothering you and bumming you out. I hate that crap. You know, to me, it's like what NPR should be. National public radio, a source of entertainment and news, not a, a source of politics. What the hell happened with that? To me, it makes me think from day one and that much money that goes into it, it was weaponized uh, politics. That's all NPR is. And that's all it was intended to be. I was studying the formation of it. Guys, as a country, we can do better, and we are, starting with Midnight Radio, and hell, it might end here. But that is how we're going to do it. I'm going to give you a link right now. Make sure you have it in the chat room because I want you guys to tune in. All right, we're about to go into the... We're about to go into the... You're going to hear this. You heard that. All right, we're about to go into the courtroom with Ann Taylor and Mr. Kohlberger. All right, this is the after show. This is going to be after the show, although you could tune in now and you're going to hear what I'm doing now. Hold on with me. I need to pin that. I need to stick a pin in that. Hold on. Oh, geez. 
Damn, I just got some breaking news, guys. Hmm. Damn it. Hold on. I got some breaking news about the Delphi murderer, Richard Allen. I got some footage of him admitting to the Delphi murders. We're going to go over that, too. And um, hold on. We'll go over that after Kohlberger. See, things happen. Things happen when you're live. Of course, they're always going to want you guys to have commercials. Four, three, two, one. No commercials. Got the footage. What a pathetic little man. All right. Hopefully we have time to get to that. Yeah, he... So those of you that don't know, Richard Allen confessed since he's been in custody this time. He's confessed six times saying that he did it. And his lawyer, and this is something that's pissing me off about lawyers, defense lawyers specifically. His lawyer says, yeah, well, it's a false confession. Just because he confessed, it doesn't mean he really did it. So some of the things involved in uh, confessions are, you know, sir, did you do this? Yes, I did it. How did you do it? Where did you do it? What time did you do it? And they verify with, uh, you know, facts. He confessed six times. So, yeah, we're going to go over that. We're going to go over what's going on in the the Kohlberger case, the Kohlbergers. All right. Let's go to um, let's go to this. All right, where am I at? Here we are. All right. Court has adjourned as Brian Koberger was back in a Lata County courtroom where a judge heard arguments from his defense and the prosecution over multiple issues. Koberger is the man accused of murdering four University of Idaho students in a home just off campus in November of last year. And just yesterday, the prosecution filed their intent to seek the death penalty if a jury finds Koberger guilty. And that's not the only issue that got brought up today. News Channel 7's Morgan Romero was in court in Moscow this afternoon. Morgan, what can you tell us about what happened in court? You know, guys, court today was a lot quicker than expected. If you were tuning in last night to the news at 10 and today on the news at noon, we said that we expected today's hearing to last several hours because there were four things that they were supposed to discuss. Motions to compel, the first motion, the second motion, and the third motion to compel, as well as motions to release the grand jury records and transcripts of those proceedings, as well as a protective order over all of those records. And then the last thing was going to be a motion to stay or pause proceedings, but they only took up one issue rather than those four issues on the calendar. They took up the two first motions to compel. On that third issue, the state said it wanted more time to respond, and today, just filed in the Cases of Interest database, the judge granted that order. That third motion has to do with the defense wanting information on genetic genealogy that was done that led the FBI to build a family tree leading to Coburger. So on all those other things that were not taken up, I'm told attorneys are working together on those issues. Again, to reiterate, that's the motion to pause proceedings and the release of grand jury material. A court spokesman says that is not necessarily unusual and there may not be any hearings in the future about those things if they work it out behind closed doors and can resolve those. So on those motions to compel discovery, that first motion, the defense is asking for records of training related to officers who did several witness interviews. The state says that is not material to the investigation. They don't believe that they're going to call those officers to testify during trial and they say it's out of the scope of Idaho rules to provide that information, those training records on those Idaho State Police officers and their backgrounds. But the defense says it is pertinent. These were interviews and interrogations that were done with witnesses that then led them to certain evidence and led them to, of course, their defendant, Brian Koberger. That second motion to compel discovery has to do with investigative reports and conclusions from all cell phone analysis done by the FBI cast team. So the defense is asking for all records and reports related to information that was used in the probable cause affidavit that led then 
led them to arrest Brian Koberger and has also been used in several search warrants. Along with that ask, they're also asking for reports, communications, and documentation from the FBI forensic examiner who changed the year of the white Hyundai Elantra that law enforcement was originally looking for and changed it to the year that Brian Koberger's white Hyundai Elantra, they say, was made. So, Few things are still working out. They say the prosecution isn't hiding these things from them other than the training records. They say the stuff from the FBI, they don't believe the prosecution's hiding it from them. They think that the prosecution is waiting on it just as they are. So they're trying to compel the uh, federal government to give them those documents. So the judge said today in an order, we are gonna give the federal government by July 14th to provide these records to both the prosecution and the defense. The defense saying that all of this information is really pertinent to them providing a fair defense for their defendant, for Brian Koberger, as well as uh, now that the, the fact that the death penalty is on the table, it makes it even more critical and relevant at this time. Again, that hearing today not lasting as long as we expected. They didn't take up all the motions that, that were on this court calendar. Uh, and we don't know if they will take those up in a public forum or if they'll continue to work on those behind closed doors. Back yeah, to you guys. Yeah, I was going to ask because of the shortness of today. She literally just said everything I need to say in 45 minutes in like uh, four minutes. Incredible. It's a professional, everybody. I don't know how she did that. All right, here we are, everybody. I'm just going to go to the pertinent parts of this. Only the good parts. All the lawyers walking in with, you know, grins. They're a grinning, just a grinning. Sorry if you hear the crackle. All rise. Thank you very much. Please be seated. Good afternoon, everybody. One of the things that she said I thought was very pertinent is there's only one thing that they went over here. There's other things they did not go over. They might go over that in closed doors, which means they might solve that amongst themselves without ever letting the public know. It's almost like we have closed doors tribunals, but don't worry. Don't worry. That's completely normal in Idaho. I'm told it's, I'm told it's completely normal. On the record, this is State of Idaho versus Brian Koberger, case number CR 2922-2805. Uh, Mr. Koberger is in the court. Uh, he is represented by uh, Ms. Taylor, uh, Mr. Lobston, and Ms. Massett. Uh, the state is represented by Mr. Thompson and Ms. Jennings. Also, uh, Mr. Nye and Ms. Um Are we having a commercial? That's fantastic. No, you can't have the video. It's behind closed doors. You cannot have it. Or did I just go off? Did I lose my internet? I did just lose. Oh, that's nice. It thinks I should have a gummy. I agree. No problem there. There's some misunderstanding about who it applies to and who it doesn't apply to. Uh, because what I thought, and this is 100% my responsibility, uh, we I use the term agents. Uh, and the revised order says that the prosecutor prosecuting attorneys, defense attorneys, any agents of the prosecuting attorneys and defense attorneys uh, are affected by transgender. It sounds so by transgenders. What? Harmless. And it's made very, very cool through the by this order. Um, apparently, some of the media interpreted that as it doesn't apply to law enforcement, but it does. So law enforcement is, uh, they are agents of the prosecuting attorneys. I'm, you guys, now, I'm gonna issue another uh, order, another revised order, just to make sure that that is clear uh, because people seem to be very uh, 
confused about that. Agent, uh, definition of an agent is one that acts or has the power or authority to act. Uh, another definition is one empowered to act for or represent another. So um, I'm going to include law enforcement or the prosecutor, prosecuting attorney's uh, agent, agents, and for the defense attorney's uh, investigators. So uh, so it's clear. Uh, I think it's, it's the media or in the public. We want it to be in the courtroom. Speaking of that, uh, a comment on the cameras uh, in the courtroom now. And um, I have deferred my decision about cameras. One of the things that's, that's going to be really important, that is very important, is that the, the people with the camera and media need to follow the rules. And we've had some issues where people were pushing the envelope, particularly uh, focusing on the tables uh, where counsel sits. Uh, you are not to turn your cameras toward the top of those, uh, those tables. Um, and if you do that, you're probably going to have to leave the courtroom. Also, one of the things that happened in the Daybell case is that the cameras just continue to focus on the defendant. Uh, don't do that. That that's what. I don't agree with what the judge is saying here. He's talking about the Daybell case and what they actually did is they did have the camera on her a lot, but they were going to what she was writing on the table. They zoomed in to see what she was writing and that was not allowed on the night shift. That is not what he's saying. Okay. Just isn't, I don't care if they take the camera and shove it up Brian's ass, if that's what the people want to see, that's what the people want to see. It's different than zooming in to what he is writing on the table. All right. Right. The uh, camera. Although I must say, if it was up his ass, I would not watch. To have to uh, leave the courtroom in that case. And uh, what I would prefer if you want to continue to have cameras in this courtroom is to back off, and not, uh, we have to yeah, make sure that's muted. Uh, make sure that we, we just have the totality of what is happening uh, in the court and not just uh, focus, for example. All right, DJ Electra, are you listening? So when you go to the main court for the actual trial in October, be careful where you put your cameras, all right? On uh, Mr. Koberger's face um so that was what happened in that case and it's not uh it's not appropriate one other uh reminder to counsel uh speak and i this is to myself uh to speak into the microphone so we can have a good record i'm gonna go ahead and start, right, this. To start off where do we direct the court exactly to the numbers and those motions Thank you. Let me make sure. 
one is request one. Four is request 23. I'm sorry, Your Honor, it's number two, request four. Okay, apologize. Number two, request four. Okay. And you said number five. Number five, which is request one zero nine. All right, no more gatekeeping. No, Let me show you the best infused gummies that I have ever had. Now, if you're in search for the best infused gummies or treats, then you have to try out. Claims they exist. So that is the background and um, the frequent communication. With the claims they exist. They're not just saying they exist. Materials we need. We have come to an impasse in a few areas, and that's what brings us to court today. As the court knows, discovery is governed by statute 19-1309 and Idaho Criminal Rule 16. And the purpose of discovery is really to prevent an unfair trial prevent trial by surprise and also to protect the charge of the cameras were direct rights in the case of the Oldman. We did, I don't know, not secure, no, you didn't have to make a Interviewing people 
and for making the decisions that they make with regard to things taken as evidence in the case or things followed up on or not followed up on. So that is the purpose for those records, and we're asking the court to order the state to provide the training records for those three officers. I really want to know what you guys think about that. If you want to call in, 325. Moving on then to our second motion to call. Hold on. Open. I want to hear what you guys think. Again, uh, the officers are not pointing. As well as the FBI forensic examiner team. What we're talking about here is the CAS team that is the FBI examiners that use cell phone records to provide a lot of information that found its way into the probable cause affidavit that the state relied on in arresting Mr. Koberger. I had the opportunity to meet with the prosecutor and they indicate that we will be getting those items in number one and number six disclosed to us, but we don't know when. So I'm asking this court to issue an order with a date certain. Midnight caller line, hold on a second. These are Midnight caller line. This is Gerald Schmimmons. How can I help you? Am I live? You are live. So you need to mute your computer. Gerald Schmimmons. Am I live? He was live, but he didn't know how to deal with it. Guys, if you're watching the show and you're calling in, go ahead and mute your computer, mute your phone. Go ahead and call in. We'll talk about it. Just you can check out. Our conversation on the replay. Are bits of investigation that the FBI conducted that relates to Mr. Koberger's cell phone and the state. Well, I basically oh, bought this shit. roof over the internet, oh. which wasn't something I'd ever done before. Because we relied on that in our affidavit to say that Mr. Koberger was in certain places at certain times. So these are bits of information and analysis that's been done since December. We are now at the end of June. We do not have those records yet, Your Honor. They are something that's been relied upon by the state for the PC affidavit to arrest Mr. Koberger, as well as to obtain a variety of search warrants. It's information that the state has agreed we should have. So we ask the court for an order with a deadline to get that. I want the court to know I don't think that Mr. Thompson or Ms. Jennings are trying to withhold this. I think they'll give it to me when they have it, but I think an order from the court saying this is the date certain may help them get the information a little bit more rapidly. I'll move on to our last request, and that's, that's number two in the second motion to compel request number four. And that has to do with the FBI forensic examiner that told the state to look for a white Hyundai Elantra. This is the examiner that originally there were certain years looked for and that year range was expanded. I believe I have the communications between the police department and the FBI about how that date range changed, but what I don't have is the report from the examiner. I did receive the CD curriculum vitae from about the examiner late yesterday from the prosecutor's office. So I'm asking the court to order a deadline for the report to be given to the defense. Again, um, the courts read the probable cause affidavit that led to Mr. Koberger's arrest. And the court can see that this beautiful identification was heavily relied on by the state to arrest Mr. Koberger as well as to obtain a lot of other search warrants. This is information that is very necessary. It is, and holy crap, it worked. For us to prepare our case, I don't think Mr. Thompson and Ms. Jennings are withholding anything. I think they don't have it, but I think we need a court order with a deadline so that we can get that. As the court is aware, um, the state has a duty to provide discovery to the defense. As the court is aware that not producing discovery, especially when it's material, can be a due process violation. And as the court is aware, the state has filed its notice of intent to seek death against Mr. Koberger. These are critical, relevant materials, all of them. 
including the police training records. They're necessary for us to prepare and present our defense of Mr. Coburger. They're necessary for us to do our investigation. They're necessary for us to prepare our case and our motion practice moving forward. These are things that we need to have. There is a heightened standard now that the state has filed its notice of intent to seek death. And these are very relevant, critical bits of information. They are discoverable and we're asking for the order that they supply to us. Do you guys think that she is fishing? She says she's not. Usually when someone says, hey, trust me, means they're telling you a damn lie. Do you think that she's fishing? She's asking for these things that don't exist. Give me the evidence that shows me that my client is innocent. They're like, we don't have that lady. This is all we have. But then she's asking about how the FBI called in a tip and say, hey, look for this model of car. How did they come about that information? Does the defense have the right to that now that they're seeking the death penalty against Brian Kohlberger? I have a friend. Matter of fact, there's a lot of you that haven't watched it. You need to, if you haven't, you've got to. It's not what you think it is. And that's the J.D. Kinderfeller Christmas special. Uh, he's an ex-federal inmate. He gave us a lot of information about life in the big house. A lot of tips. If you've, you're ever going, you know, find yourself in need some information before you go to prison you might want to revisit those episodes one of the things he told me is like if you did something if you did it and you're up there and they offer you a plea deal you take it because if you don't take it they're going to come down on you 20 times as hard with the sentencing you're going to wind up getting life and you could have did like 10 years unless it's something that you know you literally had nothing to do with in the world so these are the issues we're dealing with now. This is now it's a death penalty case. First degree murder is what they're seeking. He might get his ass blown away with a firing squad. I want to know what you think. The phone number's right up there. We have a few more minutes. I'd like to talk to you. That's what this show is, the conversation with you as we go over these wild-ass theories, wild-ass speculations. I talked to someone this week who watched this live, and they told me that it looks to them like the defense is playing games. It looks like they're crossing the I's and dotting the T's of every dirty trick a defense lawyer can do. I want to know what you think. Uh, Mr. Thompson or Ms. Jennings? So, Ms. Taylor's correct. Um, she has everything that the state has in her possession. And then we have worked diligently and consistently in getting her all the information that we have today do we even need to hear what the the prosecution is going to say we tried to give her everything i mean uh, we have discovered approximately about thirteen thousand pages of reports thirteen thousand photographs all right i'm gonna cut it off here guys and the reason why is because this is all the prosecution can say we gave him everything um she's talking about a massive dump i can't remember how big the dump is but it's a big hairy dump uh 500 terabytes or some crap uh, i know you guys in the chat room know how big was the digital information pictures and everything that the uh defense got they say they're having trouble going through everything and they're doing digitally 24 hours and yet they're saying they need more which is it ma'am which is it i'm having a hard time believing all this bullshit over 10,000 tips DJ Electra, if you get to that court, I want you to take your camera and put it right at his face at all times. And over 51 terabytes of audio and video information. So we are down to just a few points of disagreement. Sorry, my screen. Is that okay if I Yes, yeah, that's fine. Thank you. First, um, with regard to item number six on the Defendant's first motion to compel discovery. Um, this involves training records of a couple of officers. Again, these are officers who the state would argue are not um, material to the case. Um, they've interviewed other witnesses. Um, they wouldn't even be called by the state to testify at trial. Um, and the state objects to this because training records of specified officers aren't included within Bill 16. 
and they haven't offered any reason um, as to why this would be needed for the preparation mm -hmm. of their case. Again, these are investigators. Whoever tells you it's normal practice, especially if they're a lawyer of the government. You should call it's not a normal practice like saying hey and i demand to see the training record of every vegetable man in this store All right, guys, I'm going to stop it right there. I'm going to go to our next story because uh, these stories I'm going over to me are more disturbing than the Idaho 4 case, and these are things that are constantly going on. I told you about this, guys. I told you about this. I told you there'd be an increase in murder-suicides, and I'm getting just a flood of them every single day. It just alarms me. I, I get this whole list of them. I look at them, and some of them are almost similar because of the, the cities are the same name, but they're in different states, but they're different. This is uh, completely bonkers. Um, I know why things are wrong in the United States. The government is lying about it, but people feel like something's wrong. Everything is off. A lot of people are losing their jobs. And when I investigate these later after it goes, mostly it doesn't go to court because the people are both dead and whole families are just being wiped out abandoned we're going to go over uh, those next but before that we have another story about well a mom not doing her job an abandoned eight-year-old breaks into stranger's home for food this happened in texas abandoned and hungry an eight-year-old boy broke into a stranger's home and went to the refrigerator for food According to the authorities in Tejas, the home's residents found the child on June 8th. The Cameron County Sheriff's Office said on June 27th he had food in his hands. This is an eight-year-old boy. The boy said he was hungry, authorities said. The residents described him as very weak and malnourished. They said they didn't know the boy. The residents took the child to his home where they tried to find his mother. According to the news release, she was not home. After some time, the mother arrived with her boyfriend, authorities said in the initial interview. The mother admitted to leaving the child unattended and home alone. Deputies reported the case to Child Protective Services and the child was taken from his home. Investigators said the boy was malnourished and physically neglected and they'd gathered enough evidence to arrest the mother. 28-year-old woman was arrested on June 20th. Authorities said she was booked into the the detention center on charge of abandonment and endangerment of a child with imminent bodily injury. An investigation is ongoing. My question is this, how long had he actually been left alone? Police are investigating a suspected murder suicide in El Dorado, Illinois. And this starts our block of murder suicides here in America. And ladies and gentlemen, all these are from the last three days. 
investigation ongoing in El Dorado, Illinois, following a suspected murder-suicide. According to the Saline County Coroner, a relative had been trying to reach a man and woman who lived together in the 800 block of Benton Street. The relative then went to the home Tuesday morning and found the bodies of the 51-year-old woman and 68-year-old man. The coroner said the two had been dead for about two days and the cause of death is currently unknown, pending toxicology reports. All right, moving on now. Man charged with murder in Newton triple homicide. And again, like I said, these all happened within three days in the USA. Developing news at this hour following some heinous killings this weekend in Newton, Massachusetts. A couple about to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary and the woman's 90-year-old mother. Authorities have charged 41-year-old Christopher Ferguson, who they believe had no relationship with the victims. 12 News reporter Anita Buffoni tracking the latest right now. Well, Patrick, that was a horrific random act happening just about an hour north of Providence. According to the Middlesex District Attorney, no motive has been determined. The suspect, Christopher Ferguson, is expected to be arraigned very soon for a murder charge. Now, the victims are Gilda Diamore, her husband Bruno Diamore, and Gilda's 97-year-old mother. How come it is that nobody's reporting that a massive amount of people are committing murder-suicides. Massive amount that have ever happened before. Um, I got some physical numbers from one state coming up, but that's just one state. Not all of them. This is on a weekly basis, not being reported, all being reported uh, just regionally in the news and not on a national level. Um, this, this isn't the only weird thing that are happening, that are happening not being reported on. There's a lot of young people that are having heart attacks uh, in shape, uh, athletes, there's that, but there's also a lot of people catching ginormous catfish all over the world. Uh, we're talking record breakers and not just catfish. There's some other kinds of fish too. There's weird things going on now, guys. There are very weird things. Mother Lucia Arpino. Investigators say video surveillance captured Ferguson walking in the area with no shoes on prior to the murders Sunday morning. When the family did not show up for their 50th wedding anniversary, a friend checked their home and found the three brutally murdered. Police determined Ferguson allegedly broke into the house through the basement. The district attorney says forensic evidence at the crime scene identified Ferguson as the killer. The lab was able to match one of those footprints taken from the tile hallway floor to an impression taken from Mr. Ferguson. That is what led to obtaining the warrant for him. Now, as of last night, an autopsy was done on one of the victims, and it found over 30 stab wounds and blunt force trauma, according to the district attorney. She says additional murder charges are very likely. Those will come once the autopsy of the other two victims. Now, it doesn't matter if it's guns or knives. It's happening with everything right here. Uh, this is from Australia. This is not from the USA. This actually happened in Australia, and I want to know what you thought about this. Uh, the headline is, 15-year-old buried beside her dad, who, I'm sorry, his dad, 15-year-old buried beside dad who killed him in murder, suicide, sparking fury in Australia. A close-knit Australian community boycotted a funeral where a 15-year-old boy was buried beside his father because the dad killed him before turning the gun on himself. All right, what do you guys think about that? That's something going on in Australia. I do not think it's only the United States where people are... It's not that murder and suicide didn't happen before. It's that it's happening at an extremely alarming rate, all right? More than just... More than other murders, murder suicides. <clears throat> Authorities identify three children and three adults dead in Marion County murder suicide. Three children ages 11, 6, and 2 were among those identified in what police call a murder suicide. And again, the date of this is June 21st. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigation said that three adults, including the, per the person police believe is responsible for the shootings, were also identified. TBI has not named the shooter or the seventh person. Don't worry, Gerald Schmemann's will in a minute. And one of them survived. The three dead children were identified as Vanessa Nicole Perez, 11, uh, Liliana, 
Perez six and Nicholas Perez two. And it's like, nobody cares about these murder suicides. I guess they're not sensational enough when you have as many murders, suicides in a week in the USA alone, not, not all, and it's growing in other countries. It's like a bag of M&Ms is what the number is. It's very disturbing. It's not being covered. Now, continuing with this, this story, the cousin of a sole survivor of Tennessee murder-suicide that claims six lives says life will never be the same. This is from the one we I just read. The cousin of the sole survivor of a murder-suicide in Tennessee that claimed the lives of six people, including three children, is speaking out about the tragedy and the long road home to recovery that lies ahead. On June 15th, three adults and three children were found fatally shot after an apparent murder-suicide in a burning home. Going back, these are hard. Okay, that was from June 15th, and this one is from June 15th. It's the same one. Uh, it's very, very, very disturbing. A TBI spokesman denied the to identify the shooter or the relationship between the victims, citing the ongoing investigation. However, a sheriff told Channel 9 News that Gary Barnett was the one who allegedly killed his estranged wife, Regina, and her daughter, and Brittany's three young children before turning the gun on himself. A seventh person identified by family as Aaron Persley survived the attack and remains hospitalized. That is the cousin. Gary Barnett annihilated this entire family on the night of June 15th. Very disturbing. Moving on. Man suspected of shooting and killing parents and self in murder-suicide in Phoenix, June 21st. He's Sergeant Phil, a department spokesman, said officers arrived at a home near 14th Place in Rose Lane on Tuesday at around 9 a.m. in response to calls for a welfare check where they found two men and a woman lying dead on the floor. He said preliminary information suggests 50-year-old Lance Lammers shot his mom and dad, 81-year-old Betty, and 78-year-old William, respectively, respectively, and then turned the gun on himself. It was not immediately clear what led to this fatal shooting. I'm not even halfway through. Manhattan woman child died in suspected murder-suicide incident. The date is June 23rd. A 39-year-old woman was identified in an incident the Manhattan police suspect was a murder-suicide that also involved the death of a four-year-old boy who has not been identified on Saturday. The Will County Corner Office identified Sarah Durkin, 39, as the woman who was pronounced dead at 4.15 p.m. The coroner's office also said a four-year-old boy had also died in the incident as well. No details about the circumstances of the deaths have been released by either police nor the coroner. They said it's an isolated incident and there's no further threats to the community. How do you guys think that this can be uh, prevented, these murder-suicides? Welfare check in Kansas finds man and woman dead in apparent murder-suicide. The date on this is June 23rd. Police in Kansas are investigating what led to an apparent murder-suicide after two people were found inside a home on Thursday. Officers were dispatched to, the, to a home for a welfare check at 4.20 p.m. on Thursday. When police arrived, they found a 36-year-old man dead from an apparent gunshot wound. Inside the same home, a 70-year-old woman was found dead from a gunshot wound that investigators believe was self-inflicted. So the woman was a perpetrator. Police said the two victims were family members who both lived at the home. Investigators said there are no other suspects at this time. That shooting is still under investigation. Ohio Domestic Violence Network data shows that at least 27 murder-suicides during one year. This is in Ohio. Let's see if this video will play. I chose free massage therapy. Oh, massages now. I want massages and gummies. Uh, really, 27 murder-suicides, and uh, we're only in June. I still got a more, more left. 
Brother and sister found shot dead in apparent murder suicide in Cabazon, Cabazon. Riverside County Sheriff's de deputies were called to the 1500 block of Elm Street at 4.40 p.m. Oh, the same times that they're called. Isn't that interesting? All in the afternoon at 4 p.m. I got five more minutes until we're going to the live show, guys. Uh, we have a live after show, three hours, three and a half hours of awesome true crime and the best music in the world will be playing after the show. Uh, just stay tuned on the radio station. If you're there, if you're watching me live on YouTube right now, I pinned the address. You can also download the Midnight Radio app on your, what are your Google Play Store for your Android device. Deputies are still securing the scene when they were called to a second shooting a few blocks away. And officials there found Leonard Gamez, 40, dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. A spokesman for the Sheriff's Department confirmed Gamez is the suspected shooter in Fiddler's killing. Investigators are still waiting for ballistic tests to confirm whether Gamez used the same weapon in the shooting. There are no other outstanding suspects involved in the shooting. Brother and sister were shot dead. Wow. Moving on here. Just a moving on. This is Clark County. Sheriff's investigates apparent murder-suicide. Uh, man shoots woman and then himself. This is in Vancouver, Washington. This is X-File stuff, guys. We have to do everything in our power to protect the victims, and we're not doing that. Two people are dead following an apparent murder-suicide in Vancouver. The Clark County Sheriff's Office says it appears a woman's estranged husband shot and killed her before turning the gun on himself. Good evening. Thanks for joining us for K2 News at 11 tonight. I'm Deborah Knapp. Francis Lynn joins us live tonight in Vancouver with more on the story. Fran? Deb, deputies say it was two young girls age 12 and 16 who actually called police and reported that their stepfather had shot their mom and then himself. A sad ending for a mother of two young girls as Clark County Sheriff's deputies say it appears that 45-year-old James Jordan forced himself into 46-year-old Erica Jordan's Vancouver home and killed her before killing himself. Deputies say this happened Monday night a little before 11 p.m. My sympathies go out to the victim and the victim's family and children. It's crazy that these, uh, these incidents keep happening psychology and law professionals say unfortunately these cases are not rare statistics and research show they're not rare but they're going up at an astronomical rate is that Trust there me. are approximately 600 murder suicides in our country every year it goes back to that old saying you know if i can't have you no one's gonna have you investigators say erica and james were married but estranged according to court documents there was a protection order for erica against james james had been out of jail since october of last year and was arrested in april for violating the protection order as part of the protection order he was not allowed to own a gun be in contact with erica or come near her but that didn't stop him Monday night. Former Clark County Prosecutor Jim Sinescu says protection orders in the state of Washington have actually been improved upon. They can order treatment, they can order GPS monitoring, they can order um, all sorts of things, restrictions on contact, uh, restrictions on weapons, possession. But at the end of the day, it's a piece of paper and uh, you know law enforcement can't stand outside the door of every single petitioner's residents to protect them. So how can potential victims protect themselves? Experts say there are warning signs to look out for. Believe somebody when they tell you who they are. If they say they're going to kill you, believe them. They're going to do it. If you feel you're in an unsafe situation, seek relief, seek help, talk to people. Deputy say All right, you guys saying there's low volume. Um I don't know why. Moving on. Can you guys hear me all right? Here we go. Little Rock Police investigating deadly house fire as triple murder-suicide case. Don't worry. These things are common. They happen all the time. Little Rock investigators say a recent deadly house fire looks to be a case of murder-suicide. 
officials with the Little Rock Police Department. Again, the date on this is June 26th. Say the initial autopsy findings of four people found dead in June 23rd house fire show the deaths were all from gunshots. Authorities noted one of the four victims appeared to die due to self-inflicted gunshot wound. The victims were found in the home of the 4800 block of Greenwood Drive, according to the Little Rock Fire Department. Crews responded to reports of the blaze around 1.30 a.m. and found the bodies after the fire had been extinguished. Moving on. NASCAR driver's in-laws nephew dead after possible murder-suicide in Muskogee. Fox 23 Spencer Humphrey talked to Muskogee's mayor who says he and many others knew the Janway family very well. They're struggling to make sense of what happened. Closed due to unforeseen circumstances. That's the sign greeting patients showing up to Dr. Jack Janway's chiropractic practice in Muskogee Tuesday. Unforeseen circumstances that hit way too close to home for Mayor Marlon Coleman. I slept maybe two hours. I mean, it, it's one of those things that throws you off. He learned Monday night the chiropractor he and so many other people in this community have known for years, Dr. Jack Janway, was dead. I knew Dr. Janway. Dr. Janway has uh, worked on me. Or I'm going to have to stop it there and move on, put a links to all this in the show notes. But I have so many murder-suicides and not enough time to talk about it, literally. Murder-suicides suspected in Vancouver after two girls called 911. Estranged husband violated protection order, authorities say. Now, this is Vancouver, Oregon. It is not uh, Vancouver, Washington, like we read earlier. Sheriff Fish, um, two Vancouver girls called 911 Monday night to report that their stepfather had shot their mother and then himself. Sheriff's officials later identified the couple as James Jordan, 45, and Erica Jordan, 46, and said they were married but estranged and that a protective order barred James Jordan from coming within 1,000 feet of Erica Jordan's home. Deputies had arrived at the scene near Northwest 42nd Avenue and 56th Street shortly before 11 p.m. to find the girls aged 12 and 16 outside the home and uninjured. I've got three more, about three more left. Man, woman dead in apparent murder-suicide in Orange County. Uh, Orange, Orlando, Florida. Two people are dead after apparent murder-suicide in Orange County Monday. And again, that was this Monday. Deputies were called to an apartment around 9 a.m. This incident is domestic in nature. The two were in a relationship. Deputies are not looking for anyone else at this time. Riverside County Sheriff's deputies investigating apparent murder-suicide. The date on this is June 26th. A man apparently shot and killed his sister and then shot himself, the Riverside County Sheriff's Department said. Upon arriving, deputies located a deceased female victim suffering from a gunshot wound inside a vehicle. As deputies were securing the initial scene, deputies were dispatched to a second shooting scene. The sheriff's department said when the deputies arrived, they located a deceased male suffering from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. This was in Carbons. This is one we went over before, all right? This is the same one. So uh, two are the same. The rest of them aren't. Florida man arrested after touching himself on Volusia County Beach in front of young girls. And I'm talking about this guy because he really literally gets a jackass award of the, award of the week. It's something everybody's talking about. Because his name is Nolan Hernandez. A man who reportedly touched himself in front of multiple people, including three girls ages 14 and under on a Florida beach, was arrested. Uh, Nolan Hernandez, 26, was booked into jail on charges of lewd in the civics ex exhibition in the presence of a child. Deputies posted a video of the, of the suspect captured on body camera on Facebook with the statement, don't do what Nolan did or you can end up featured here. I thought that was hilarious. I wanted to share that with you. They put him up on Facebook talking about what he did. It's called name and shame, everybody. There ain't nothing wrong with it. Lordy, there ain't nothing wrong with it. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. Right above there, I have pinned the Midnight Radio After Show, which will start as soon as I shut down this video feed. So you guys might want to tune in right now. You're going to hear me. And then I'm going to go live for three and a half more hours. And I've got some true crime things that I want to share with you. I have a lot that I want to share with you there. Um, 
when somebody says that this is normal, do not believe it. I am finding pa- patterns, and I'm going to continue to cover this. There's a lot more people who died today from murder suicide. So I'm going to continue the story. So I'm going to be on for the next three and a half hours. After me, there's another live show that's coming on. It's Third Rock with uh, Marianne. What's her name? DJ. My brain is gone. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'm going to take a big swig of my coffee right here, and I'm going to turn it up for three and a half hours of radio on Midnight Radio. All right. Here we go. You guys tune in. You're really going to listen to the opening. Trust me. I found a new unreleased song by Elvis Presley, and I'm going to start my show off with it. No joke. Until next time, God bless. Good night and all my best. I will see you on the airwaves.